0: Now, as we continue in this Lenten season journeying to the cross from now until Easter, we're going to be working through John's gospel and taking stops with Jesus along the way and some of the different people that he encounters on his journey to the cross. And I want to encourage you to spend time in the book and the gospel of John this Lenten season. It is so good, especially during this time, to to be with Jesus, to hear Jesus speak, to see with your own eyes, to read with your own eyes what Jesus is doing. It's good to be in his word so that it's not someone else telling you about Jesus, but it's you yourself spending time with him. And today we encounter the story of Nicodemus, who who comes and visits with Jesus. And what you're going to see right away is you see these two connections that come from John chapter 1. There's this mysterious verse verses John chapter 1 verses 12 through 13 where John says something like yet yeah, to all who did receive Jesus to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will but born of God and we just witness that in the baptism right and we of course also see in John chapter 1 this idea of light introduced we see that light shines in the darkness and this light this light of life this Jesus is here for us. And so it's really interesting in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the darkness. He comes at night. And many say he comes because he doesn't want to be seen. He wants to keep this meeting with Jesus a secret. Others are saying that John was just enforcing how in the dark Nicodemus was in regard to his understanding. Or maybe it was just the time of day, night, that he came. Either way, Nicodemus comes under cover of darkness, and it is darkness that's going to be disturbed by a peculiar light. He himself, Nicodemus, will be disturbed by what he will be told by the one who in just five chapters will stand up and say, I am the light of the world. Nicodemus is disturbed because when he comes to Jesus, he comes to Jesus with a set of convictions, a set of convictions about what is real, about what is possible, and not unlike many who encounter Jesus, Nicodemus feels he, he already knows everything he needs to know about God, about how God works, about how the world works in relation to God. It's why he will start his saying, as Stefan just read for us, with the we know. But maybe we all can relate to that. We all come with our knowledge, right, of how the world works. We come with our own convictions. We come with our own knowledge of what is what. But we're gonna see that that is precisely what Nicodemus, what he knows becomes the stumbling block. That knowledge that he has distorts his ability to hear and to receive what Jesus says. At least initially the vicar could tell you that throughout the chapters he will have a change of heart. But in our text today, Nicodemus is reduced to these outbursts of disbelief, these outbursts of astonishment. You're going to hear him say, how can anyone be born after having grown old? How can you enter a second time into your mother's womb? How can these things be? He came expecting to have what he knew confirmed by Jesus. With his fixed way of thinking, his fixed set of rules, and his progress, Become stifled. But you know as well as I do that Jesus has a wonderful way of taking people who are fixed, who are stuck, who are set in their thinking and ways, and challenges them, invites them to move past what they know, to move past what is possible, and to enter into a new relationship, a full relationship, into the impossible, into being born again, to know the Word made flesh. To really know his words. And more than just to know, but to experience what he gives through water and the Spirit. And then they will see the kingdom of God in faith and in hope. So let's do what we've been doing. I've been liking this. No one has sent me angry emails, so I'm going to keep doing this until you do. We're going to go into the text with Nicodemus on his visit to talk with Jesus. And as we are putting ourselves in the text here... I will help us understand by pointing a few things out. Again, this is John chapter 3, if you have your Bibles. If not, of course, the words will be on the screen so that we can be guided along. But we do this entering into the story so that we can move past the just reading and knowing, but to really try to experience that the life that is there in the text when we put ourselves in it. So we're coming to Jesus with Nicodemus. It's night. We're walking with Nicodemus. He's looking over us. He's telling us, hey, you know, we're not hiding right now. We're not doing anything in secret. It's just, you know, I had work all day. He winks at us, and we move our way to the door. We knock, and Peter will answer the door. He'll invite us in. We make our way over to Jesus, who doesn't ask us why we have come. He simply invites us to take a seat in the living room where he is staying. It's very comfortable, well lit, nice candles. Some of the other disciples are there too, Mary and a few others, and water is brought to us, and Jesus lets Nicodemus have the first word. And so we sit up and we hear as Nicodemus very flatteringly says that we know Jesus is a teacher, meaning he's highly respected. He compliments Jesus. He says that Jesus is from God. He tells him that we have seen your miracles, Jesus, and it's very clear that God is with you. And we're silently nodding along. And then Jesus makes a statement. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And maybe we think Jesus is being a bit odd here, stating something random, but he's not being odd. He's present with us. He's speaking directly to Nicodemus. He's looking directly at him. And this word here, born again, that I've tried to bold here, you can kind of see it. If you are reading in your Bible, you have a tiny little footnote, a little tiny number there? You might see that if you're reading. Depending on your Bible's translation, you will have one word chosen— born again or born from above. So what I've done is I've put them both here because some translations choose to just, like I said, put it in the footnote. And this word really requires a conversation, a stop in the being in the story because we need to ask ourselves, can words have two meanings or can only one be present in a single word? And to understand this text correctly, we're going to need to hear both meanings, born again and also born from above. To be born anothen speaks of the time of birth and also the place from where this new birth is generated. We must be born again, born from above. It must be both. Jesus is telling Nicodemus that you think you have seen the kingdom of God through the sacrifices that you've been making, through the laws you have kept through this city of Jerusalem. But the kingdom of God can't be seen without seeing Jesus. Can't be seen without having life in his name and living his ways. And this comes when you are born again as a child of God by God and live in his life. So it's not surprising that in the moment when Jesus shares this, Nicodemus responds with his first two points. It's a bit too abstract for Nicodemus. And yet it's also a little silly, isn't it, the idea of being born again? Nicodemus would have expected that the kingdom of God, well, he was already part of it. He was born a Jew. And like I said, he'd done the sacrifices. He'd lived it done the things God wanted him to do. So how could he be born when he's already old? Certainly Jesus doesn't want us to be somehow born again. Certainly he doesn't want us to die, right? And then to rise to new life. No way. After all, how, how could we physically be born if we're already born? How could it be possible to be born into some kingdom of God apart from Being able to earn that, from being able to do what is good, what is right. That is how you get into the kingdom of God. This nonsense about being born from above. We are not from above. We are below. So why are you talking about physical birth? All of this, really, Jesus, is impossible. I'm not going back into my mother's womb. No way. It's dark in there. But Nicodemus isn't making a joke here. I thought for a long time he was being sarcastic, but even now, I don't know. Because he's astonished. And Nicodemus is doubtful. And in some ways, he's (coughs) taking offense at the promise that Jesus is declaring to him. Saying that something must be enacted by God. He must be born again physically and from above. Jesus isn't playing with words. He's speaking truth. And I think Nicodemus shrugs it off, laughs a little bit, and says, impossible. So Jesus kindly continues and says, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus asks them, why are you surprised? You know the law. The law says if you sin, you die. The Psalms tells us that we are born in flesh and we are born sinful. Flesh is temporary. Flesh does not last. But the Spirit is eternal. Jesus is telling him that he can be born of the Spirit, that he could become a child of God, that he could be forgiven, could be made new by water and the Spirit. And that, to Nicodemus, is probably the last straw, because that is impossible. Certainly not by some teacher, some man, some Jesus. And so we find Nicodemus and ourselves at this crossroad. Unless Nicodemus allows God to change his whole way of being in the world, his whole way of existing, he will not be able to see God at work. And the same is said of us. Unless we allow God to change our whole way of being in the world, how can we see God at work? Nicodemus understood one birth. But Jesus says there must be two. One of flesh one of spirit, one of mortality, the other of eternity, one male or female, one of God. We have all seen flesh being born. We've seen before our very own eyes, our own growth, or our children's getting older, getting larger, maturer, stronger. But the spirit, well, that we cannot see. It was invisible like the wind regeneration, new life given, being born from above and being born again because water was splashed and promises were spoken? Seems quite impossible. But the ways of God are done by God alone. And this birth that we witnessed, this birth that Jesus speak of, is invisible. In the water and through the promise, one is renewed by grace, become a spiritual child of God. You don't look any different and yet everything has changed. So Nicodemus asks, how can this I think he laughs a little bit because I don't know about you, but when I see things I can't believe, I do like a little giggle. Do you giggle when you see things you can't believe? Like, <laughs> how's that possible? You know, if you know your Old Testament, there's a couple of instances of people laughing where God's promises seemed impossible. You might remember someone named Sarah, very, very old. And God came and said, You will have a child. She laughs and says, Not possible. Another woman. Naomi changed her name to bitter she's coming back from Moab she's been ruined her sons are dead so there's no life moving forward to her though she does have two daughter-in-laws she says hey our roads are parting you go on your way find yourself a new life because mine is over they say no we want to stay with you she's like I'm old I'm not birthing you new sons go and find something else God has left me it is impossible to have a way forward One leaves, but one stays named Ruth. And in an impossible way, God's future Messiah would come through Ruth, who was a Moabite, who was an enemy of Israel. And then there was, of course, Mary. And the angel says, you will give birth to the Savior of the world. And her response, how can this be? This is impossible. And then there's us. Have you found yourself struggling to believe in the impossible, to believe that you are loved, struggling to believe that God himself, the creator of the universe, would look down and choose you? Have you found yourself struggling to believe that God would have a purpose for you? Have you found yourself struggling to hear his voice, to believe what he says over all the noise? Have you found yourself struggling with the idea that God cares for you when so much has happened to you? Found yourself struggling that the promise he made that I am with you always is yours even when you are alone. It is difficult to move from the knowing of things to the belief in the impossible promises of God. And Jesus points out that you, Israel's teacher, you're the most wise. If anyone should know this, you should. And we hear this and say, man, if Nicodemus had all those credentials, the teacher of Israel, and yet he was held back, he couldn't get it, How am I supposed to understand this? And so we feel shame and afraid because we doubt, because we can't comprehend, because it's impossible. It's impossible to be close to this God who is invisible and so far away, I don't know how to do it. I don't know How even to start? And so the Lord draws Nicodemus, and he draws each one of us. He draws our hearts to the truths in these verses, 13 through 17. He says, I am the one who was from above and has come down to make it possible. You remember your history You have seen me deliver the Old Testament Israelites. Look back in your own lives. You know that I have delivered you before, and I will. And here is why in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. There is nothing more impossible than these verses right here. There is nothing more impossible than what you are reading right here. That God would not be angry with the world, that God would forgive, that God would give his only son, that God would look at you in love. There is nothing more impossible than this right here. In a verse that is so familiar, that is beyond memorizing, it's something cute that we call the gospel in the nutshell, that sometimes we don't linger with the impossibleness of this. There's a reason in the midst of darkness and doubt and impossibility that Nicodemus and us so used to this sit with this truth from God. There's a reason he declared it here. Because regardless of what you know, your Father in heaven in Jesus has done for you what is impossible that each one of us has peace with God, has been made right with God through Jesus, and that in simple water, in His promise, you can be born again, and you have it. It's yours. But you are worth so much to your God that He does not leave you in sin or dust, but makes you new, that He would give his own life, so that you could live. So that no matter how corrupted this world has become, no matter how corrupted you have been, no matter how many relationships you have destroyed or what you have done to yourself, you are not beyond saving and you are not beyond love because he did not come to point out your faults and to tell you how much you've messed up, but he came to say, I love you and you are mine. make you free so that you would know love, experience love, experience salvation, to be moved from dead to life everlasting. Not by works, but here and with Jesus Christ alone can do let's sing this next song